Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, John? Uh, thank you for uh, jumping on the podcast, man. I know, uh, like I said, we... Uh, we met through a crazy app called Clubhouse like a few years ago. I think that was 2020, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. It could have been. Yeah, well, it that? seems yeah. like forever ago now, right? Right, right, exactly. So uh, really glad we connected. I reached out to you. Uh, I know you're really, really heavy on uh, Twitter. You're constantly mm-hmm. posting awesome stuff. And so um, just reached out to you and uh, wanted to talk to you about the app we built, wanted to see how you're doing. So here we are. We made it to a podcast, my man. Love it. Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, you reached back out and that we, we made this happen on a more modern platform. I guess, I don't know, is podcasting probably not as modern as Clubhouse, but uh, know, definitely more lasting. Let's put it that I, way. Right. I keep hearing about podcasting has been around for 20 plus years and it didn't have the actual name and now it has a name and I think we can solidify that it is a little bit more of a modern platform now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, man, I'm glad to have you. So um, I want to kind of give you the floor a little bit to introduce yourself, uh, what you do. Um, Mm -hmm. You run an agency, do a bunch of different things. So um, go ahead and just kind of give a little bit of an introduction and then we can rip off of that. Sure. So uh, founder and CEO of The Good. Uh, We are a conversion optimization firm. We help mostly e-commerce brands to convert more of their visitors into customers. We do that through data science, right? So helping brands to track every click and movement that's happening on their site, understand where people are dropping off in the funnel and why, and then designing hypotheses to and tests ultimately, ultimately to resolve those challenges, understand, again, via data, what will convert the best. Um, so I've been doing this for 14, almost 15 years now. It's been, been quite the ride. Um, Love every minute of it. Uh, wouldn't change a thing. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that I'm still doing this 14 years later. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man, props to you. You and I had a conversation about the the service world and yeah. uh, working with clients and all that stuff. So I just want to give you major props for sticking it out as long as you have. And I'm sure you've seen, uh, I can only imagine the type of changes that you've seen. I mean, Oof. I've been in e-commerce since 2012, and that's ba- barely going on 10 years and you're, you know, five years ahead of that. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, so I want to ask you, how big is the good right now? Are you guys uh, grown pretty quickly? You know, we grew a lot during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, e-commerce grew. Uh, we rode right. that wave. Um, we, you know, for a decade um, prior to, to COVID, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, we intentionally. Uh, were were rather small, uh, around tennis or so was always where we really kept things. Uh, we wanted to work with a limited number of clients and uh, you know work with bigger clients. So you know Nike, Xerox, Adobe, The Economist, um, you know enterprise brands, right? And a lot more as well. But we would work with fewer clients and do larger engagements. Um, and then in COVID, there was just a, this big opportunity for you know, not small brands, but mid-sized brands to kind mm-hmm. of creep into that. 
And um, yeah, everybody was looking for optimization at that point because so many brands were really focusing on e-commerce for, for the first time, sadly. Uh, and they found us because we've been doing this for so long. We put out so much content that, you know, they started looking around and, and we were on the short list of, of what they would find. So it's amazing. That was fortunate. And um, so we've been been riding that wave and there's no signs. I mean, we're recording this after Black Friday, Cyber Monday and, uh, you know, no signs of slowing down. I think there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter about yeah. whether or not things are slowing down. There's been some false starts on people saying, yes, it's all slowing down. It's coming crashing down. Oh, wait, never mind. The data changed. <laughs> or, you know, like, psych, just kidding. Um, but I think, you know, everyone's found that, yeah, that uh, despite possible economic issues that I'm not even really convinced are here 100%. We're talking right. ourselves into a lot of it, I think. Um, and consumer spending hasn't slowed down uh, is, is what we saw across our client base. So. Yeah, I see record numbers every single year. It's like a record again, record again. So um, I like what you said there. We talk ourselves into that. I, I think that's absolutely the sentiment that I shared. I just haven't been able to put that into into words. You know, um, yeah. you know the real estate markets, the e-commerce stuff, and everything. It seems to be. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like you put you put it all on the table, and people are still spending money, whether they have it or they don't have it. They, they're still spending money, and it's uh, it's a little scary at the same time. But you know that's that's what it is and uh yeah I, and i'd love to kind of uh so how many people are you uh, i didn't I, I don't know if i caught that but how many people are you oh, guys no. good right now yeah we're around 20 at this point so we've we've pretty much doubled in size over the last two years uh we are on track to to do that again this upcoming year so um pretty pretty good growth this point. nice man nice that's awesome um and are you guys uh 100 remote or you guys have an office somewhere we have an office. I'm sitting in our technically our headquarters in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, I've got, you know, over 3000 square foot all to myself. Um, so, Whoa. Okay. So we had an office. Uh, we're, you know, in the, in the, the deep end of our lease, it will be up pretty soon. Um, but you know, I'm not going to renew it. There's no right. reason. Uh, what we're actually doing is taking that budget uh, from a lease and throwing it into an account that then twice a year, we're going to take everybody on a big trip and just get some face time with everybody together at that point. That's amazing. So we figure that's a better use of the money. Um, you know, we don't need to cut the office from a cost savings perspective. It's, uh, in fact, it, it probably will cost us a little more by the time I build out a recording studio or someplace else or, or whatever. In fact, I'm actively trying to build an ADU on my, um, on my property so that we can turn it into a video and, and podcasting studio for everybody to come in and do whatever they want to do for those who are in Portland. But I, we, since the, since COVID started, we have not hired one person in Portland. Um, oh, wow. everyone has been, been remote, uh, or, you know, um, offshore to some degree. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been great. Um, That's amazing. To, to That's just access amazing. talent from anywhere. Right. Exactly. And how many people are in Portland actually from your team? Oh, I'd have to count now. Um, like a we had a couple maybe? of moved. We've had a couple of moved as well, still work with us, but I think probably five or six at this point. Perfect. Um, perfect. So, yeah. That, 
that's awesome, man. Um, so you you said something earlier that you know of working with the bigger brands, uh, you know they see your guys' content and different things. So mm-hmm. um, from speaking from my personal experience, I've been running my agency for five years. I don't think we invested heavily into content till about probably year two and two mm-hmm. and a half, something like that. And then um, you know right around 2019, and then we just saw you know. The SEO kicks in, all the stuff kicks in, yeah. and it just, you know, you start getting all the, a lot of that organic traffic. Um, what sort of content are you guys mainly? I mean, I know you yourself are doing a lot of stuff on Twitter and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that sort of stuff. I know you said you do like basically one podcast a week at this point, uh, roughly. Yeah. So uh, what what type of content is kind of driving a lot of that traffic? Is it a lot of your, your blog content? Is it a lot of the stuff yeah. that you're doing yourself or... Is there well, a mixture, I, I'm guessing? Again, we've been doing content for 14 years. Uh, it was something where we really, in the early days, we were like, well, we should probably show our expertise. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're brand new. We should so that we know what we're talking about. Let's let's write. Um, right. So we would start by writing a couple thousand words a week. And um, we did written content for, uh, you know, actually, we've done about 2,000 words a week over that entire lifespan, um, consistently every week for at least 10 years now. Um, and so it's made a huge difference. Um, and we're actually at the point where we're going back and we're editing articles that we've written five, six years ago or longer and updating that content. Um, so adding new stats and figures that are more relevant, uh, revising it, adding to that content. Um, so refreshing content Mm -hmm. is where we're at for written content. Um, I will say though, and I'll answer your question more directly, but I also say that the reality is that this is not the fast game. This is the long play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, agency owners always try to write a bunch of content, get it up, and then just expect their business to turn around overnight. And it does not work like that. This is a, a compounding effect play that you need to put an emotion and be almost religious about doing it and focusing on it. And one lesson I learned early on was we needed a, a role that did nothing but shepherd content through our team and help find pull those insights out of people and show our expertise. And it's not that we're writing because we're experts. Often we're writing to become the expert. Yep. Right? So... Yep. If you look at it in that way, you can share your learnings, but at the same time, you can learn a lot. And so whenever our team is like, hey, you know, do we have any good resources on, you know, a specific topic? It's like, well, let's go check check the site. What do we got? So send them to the good.com slash insights. We have a nice search engine we've put together on there. And they go and they find different stuff that's relevant. And then they're like, you know, there's, I still have unanswered questions. I'm like, great, go do the research, update the articles. Yep. Right. And let's put that research on there. Um, and now we have this encyclopedia essentially of conversion optimization up there. That's just, uh, it's just, you know, ridiculous how much is up there. And it's super, we, our team utilizes it, but it's, I feel like it's still underutilized by, Ecom site managers, um, you know, a lot of folks read our current stuff that we put out every week. Um, you know, they'll they'll on they're on our email list or they go to our site once a week to read it, um, see it through social channels, uh, but they don't utilize the back catalog. And I think that's where 
the value is. That's certainly what Google feels like the value is. I'll tell yeah, you that. Absolutely. Um, so in addition to all of that written content we've been doing forever, um, uh, podcasting has been a big one. You mentioned, um, I started doing a lot more podcasting probably four years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. so a little bit before, you know, about a year before COVID maybe. Um, and I just went on an all out spree with that. Um, at the time I hired a booking agency and they were getting me on. It was like, I could have done a show every day if I wanted. Um, wow. so really just decided to dial it back to really qualify who I was talking to because it's super, there's so many podcasts Yeah, and you can talk to, you know, them all <laughs> and not, nobody listens. Absolutely. So, um, but I do, I do think that there's this, there's really this, um, it's kind of like a comedian where a comedian to get started has to work that dingy smoke filled bar that nobody's <laughs> listening. They're all at the bar talking to everyone else. And like, maybe one person's like, yeah, okay. You know? And you're like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling my jokes to nobody here. Right. Yeah. 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 And then you keep working your way up. And you start getting on a couple of shows that, you know, might have a hundred listeners or, right. you know, and then you get to the thousands and and then you just keep going up from there. And uh, you have one or two that really just pop. And then those get you, you can reference those and those get you on all the other shows you want to be on. Right. Um, and so once that start, that steam starts gaining, um, it's pretty easy to do at least one a week that that is decent. Um, and that's really been valuable for the yeah. connections as well yeah um, especially but, if they're video as well where you, people mm-hmm. get to see you and it's not just some voice in the background type of thing well and that's where the real value in podcasting is it's the repurposing of that content exactly so um i have a podcast that i co-host with a traffic generation agency um so a vp at a traffic a large um traffic agency and he and i will just we never have guests he interviews me one week, the next week I interview him. And so we each bring a topic and we just say, what do you want to talk about this week? And it's a great content generation for us. I don't yeah. care if anybody listens to that because it produces an article out of, because I take that and we um, hand it off to one of our team members and they write uh, the article based off of what, what I, what I was interviewed on. Right. And then, we have tons of, we have a video editor who will just break that down into a whole bunch of clips that I can share. Um, and then of course we have the audio content. We have the transcription of the entire episode. Yep. All of that is content that gets out there and, and people can find and Google sees, et cetera. So it's really, you know, how do we get smart about that content now? Right. Uh, and right. That's where we've ended up. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's been one big thing for me and, and growing this podcast. So I started in 2020, mm-hmm. um, kind of ran out of bandwidth. And, you know, truthfully, I was like, this is just a lot of things to manage. I mean, you take yeah. one big video and I got to cut it up. You gotta, I just didn't have the bandwidth. So I said, you know mm-hmm. what, let me put this all on hold. Um, kind of got back into, you know, the working side of things, the agency, all this. And then, you know, 2021, middle 2021, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get back on this wagon. But then I waited until the beginning of 2022, just because of the whole, you know, we just got really busy. And I, again, it was a bandwidth thing. And I really wanted to make Mm -hmm. sure that I had somebody, like you said, you have a video editor to make sure that this content actually gets repurposed the right way, because recording a lot of it is great. 
and you get it out there. But if you're not consistently pushing it out there or like you said, repurposing the transcripts and everything like that, you, mm -hmm. you really start to lose some of that steam and you're actually putting in a lot more work than you're getting out of it in the long term. And I think that's where I, I think that's where a lot of podcasters also get burned out. And you said something along the lines of, you know, a, a comedian in that in that smoky little like dingy mm -hmm. bar or whatever. Um, it, it, everyone needs a starting point, but I think a lot of the times in order to continue moving, cause I think the, the, the stats some crazy stat is like most podcasts don't make it past like the 12th episode or something like right. that, which is, which is, I mean, I can, I can see why that would make sense because I got to the 12th episode on my first one and I just was like, okay, I need to tap out from this for, you know, mm -hmm. for a while. Uh, but once you have that, you know, the little bit of that infrastructure it doesn't require a lot. You hire a contractor, hire somebody to say, hey, take this video, make them, you know, mm -hmm. put some branding around it, put some, you know, fun stuff around it. And uh, it really works. I mean, we now repurpose across, obviously, Instagram, YouTube shorts, uh, big, the, the long video goes on YouTube. Then we do mm -hmm. TikTok. Then we do, you know, a Twitter and uh, Facebook, like all of these channels that just all gets pushed out. And my whole my whole goal is like, you never know who's listening. Uh, it's same as same as thing as you said in that little bar, there might be that one person in the background that's just listening yeah. and being like, hey, I like what he said. And then they become, you know, kind of a fan of what you're doing. And then they reach, you know, it's so um, you never know. But I think definitely having that foundation of being able to repurpose that content and, and pushing it out there is is extremely crucial, especially for podcasts. And it's and it, it like you said, it's so easy now to find people to help you. This is there's a whole industry around content repurposing. Exactly. And you know, there it's not I mean, there's an investment level, but it's probably less than what you would think. Yeah. Um, you know, there's you can spend five K per month and and really blow it up, or you could spend a thousand and still make good, you know, meaningful um, you know, progress towards towards your goal there. Um, so yeah, but I think you know the so we've done a lot of written. The podcasts have been huge. Video, uh, we've done a lot of, of video stuff, um, and that's really all that we've done for for content outside of um, writing books. So I've written a couple of books. That has been kind of the um, really the penultimate. It's been it's been really where you know we have all of this great thinking, and how do we get that into something that's a little more organized. I mentioned that I feel like the back catalog, the encyclopedia of all these are really focused articles don't get utilized as much as I'd like to see. Um, a book is where a lot of that thinking can compound and, and combine into something that, that really is, uh, you know, will get read. Uh, and, you know, we did the first book a number of years ago. It was successful, really enjoyed doing it. Um, and then COVID hit and I said, okay, how do I come out of COVID with something I'm proud of mm -hmm. instead of just sitting, sitting on my hands for, you know, until this is over at the time right. I was like, I didn't know. And I said, what, what could I look back at and say, I utilize this time effectively. And I decided I was going to write another book and, um, it was something that didn't require other people necessarily to be in my, you know, pod, if you will. Right, uh, right. It, and it also didn't require me to be on video. It just required me to heads down and I had the time. That's the hard thing I think a lot of people run into with this content is getting the couple hours a day needed. You know, like we talked a little bit about Twitter. Man, I'll tell you what, like you could spend five hours a day on Twitter and still never grow over 10,000 followers 
Exactly. Um, it's just, you know, you have to just have a stroke of luck that something that you said takes off and then you get a bunch of followers and then it just starts to compound from there. But, you know, it's and really it's beautiful once it does. It's beautiful mm-hmm. because the conversation is real time. So you get to actually yeah. see your, everything happening. Yeah. Yeah, it is great. Um, but it, it's also you could sink a lot of effort into that and not get a lot out. Yeah. Um, and so I try to limit myself on there to like an hour a day, roughly. Um, and that is, you know, I'll do a half hour of replying, posting, and then I'll do a half hour of just interacting with people that, you mm-hmm. know, just go through my feed, have a couple of lists set up, et cetera, and just try to connect with people. Um, but in provide value, right? Not just, yeah. you know, hop in. It's like, hey, here's here's something we've written about this or here, you know, like trying to, to add value to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Are you doing anything on LinkedIn by any chance in terms of content? I think LinkedIn is the um, next big platform, quite honestly. I think it's been trending that way for a while. Um, I I've repo- seen, by the way, I've seen mm-hmm. enormous growth on, on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I went from, I think, 300 followers in April or something to like 3,000 now. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I have two or three times the followers on LinkedIn than I do on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I put less effort into LinkedIn. Um, and it's actually been a strategy conversation amongst the team here. Do we flip that? And I spend 15 minutes a day on Twitter and 45 on, on LinkedIn, right? Um, and, you know, how, what I have been doing on there is I take all of my content and uh, that I write on Twitter and I use it on LinkedIn. Exactly. That has gone well. Um, you know, I, I tend to schedule my writing on, on one, like a chunk. I'll take like two hours and do a lot of that. So I'll schedule out the rest of the week. I try right. to write two two tweets, uh, two posts uh, a day for a week. So that's 10 that I really need to like every working day. So it's 10 posts that I need to be able to crank out, um, which is a low number. But on LinkedIn, you really only need one a day at most. Because exactly. most people aren't on LinkedIn more than once a day, right? They check exactly. into it and read their messages, which is almost all spam, and then move on. Um, the messaging so, thing is wild on there. How much spam there? <laughs> I mean, how they have not resolved that, I don't know. Like, it's eventually yeah. it's going to be the death of them, or, um, or it's just going to continue to be a joke because that's really what right, it is right, right. Now. right. Yeah, no, it's it's, quite uh, sad. it's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, no, LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been uh, has been an interesting game. The way I looked at it, I was actually I saw. Um, who was oh it was a uh, Harley actually from Shopify the president mm-hmm. and uh, he said something about his LinkedIn growth has been just absolutely astro- astronomical and I said mm-hmm. it's because uh, people are allowed to have LinkedIn open or feel like they're allowed to have LinkedIn open mm-hmm. at work and now everyone's moving Twitter content over to LinkedIn so they're basically reading Twitter through a LinkedIn like. It's yeah. like almost an embedded version of of, of Twitter yeah. inside of LinkedIn, and so you're right. Uh, you even responded. Exactly he, what I've been doing. Yeah, exactly. And he even responded back. He's like, "That's a very interesting way of looking at it." And I was like, "Yeah, man. People don't feel guilty opening up Twitter. Like they feel like they can only do that on their phone, and they're just quickly scrolling if anything catches their eye. But mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, they can actually sit there and potentially in, involved in solving conversations and and do a bunch of other stuff too." Well, and let's be honest, the people that you and I want to reach are going to be on LinkedIn. 
Exactly. Right? I mean, if we want to sell B2B services or B2B products, mm-hmm. like it's got to be on LinkedIn. Twitter, you know, I will say Twitter has driven some new business for us, but the effort has been more about the community yeah. than anything else. Um, I'm speaking to other people that are in the community, not necessarily potential clients. What I mean by in the community, it's a lot of experts around e-commerce and we all have our niches. Um, It's a lot of agency owners, things of that sort, but it's not uh, necessarily a lot of, let's just call them e-com manager, VP of e-com, those type of roles. I don't know if they just don't have time on to be on Twitter, but like the sheer volume, those people are on LinkedIn and that's, that's probably why that performs so much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you really quickly about some of the clients and things that you guys are doing and, and where, yeah. you know, I know you said you guys had some pretty good growth, uh, you know, through COVID and stuff like that. Um, have you guys done any, um, uh, any like unique outreach that you would say, or mm-hmm. is, is a lot of like inbound stuff coming your way? I will say that we have done almost zero outbound. Um, if it, nice. it's 99 to one, <laughs> let's put it that way. Right. The, the play has been the content play. Um, and that has really gotten us to where we are today. Um, uh, it's that slow burn of something that, that really compounded as we continue to add more content. Yeah. Now where we are headed in this coming year and what we have plans for is to do more, I'd say account-based marketing. So okay. continue that content, but layer on. Um, sharing that content with some people directly that we're we're interested in working with, um, ah, I and see. I see. reaching out, being a, having them be aware that we exist. Uh, maybe they weren't prior, but mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that I'm never going to convince somebody that they have a conversion challenge. Uh, right. You know, if you have a conversion challenge, if your conversion rate's not great, you know. If you're in in the role that we want to talk to that would hire us, okay? So I'm never going to call somebody up and cold call and be like, hey, so how's that conversion rate of yours? <laughs> if they know it's a problem, they're already working on solving it, right? right and they're right, doing right, that right. research. When, it, when they're like, oh, yeah, this is a problem, they start doing that research. So the window for me to possibly catch them in that cold call is so small. It's like not even worth <laughs> so my time small. trying. Yeah. Right. That's a great way of putting it, man. That's a great way of putting it. So I just don't see the value in that. Right. So the account based marketing plan really for us is let's share our content with people that Mm -hmm. we would eventually like to work with. And um, it's going to be a small list, but we're just going to be like, hey, here's some content. Here's some feedback on your site or a nugget that, you know, hey, we saw this error you should know about or um, you know, hey, I was buying something off your site and and this didn't work. And I can imagine that's a challenge for a lot of people. You might want to look into that, right? And so it's like trying to be a little bit helpful and reaching out. Um, I find that flattery goes a long way. Um, yep. So, you know, I reach out to a lot of companies when I use their product and I'm like, you know what? I could actually probably work with them. They could probably use some help with e-com. I'll just reach out and message the CEO and be like, hey, you know what? Like, I love your product. Thank you for sharing it with us, um, you know, with the world. And um, you know what? If it can ever be of help, just let me know. 
And I get more responses to that because it's a human touch. It's not asking for anything. I'm not saying, hey, can I have five minutes of your time or let's schedule a meeting or insert, you know, whatever LinkedIn spam here. Um, It's really more just um, me being a human and just appreciating what they're doing and um, making, you know, in the, the exchange for that is them now being aware that the good and, and I exist. And that's exactly. really the benefit there. So it's, it's, I think everything, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about as well uh, is, is stuff I've been thinking about the things that don't scale always work really, really well. Right. Like that, that flattery. I mean, they can also go in and look at your name, whether it's on LinkedIn mm-hmm. or your email and say like, did he actually purchase something? And when they do, it's like, Oh, right. okay, well, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there's a level of that actual connection rather than how many times I'm sure you get cold emails be like, hey, we love what you do. And it's just insert, insert, yeah. insert. And it's like, dude, this has nothing to do with my business. It's like, this is crazy. Well, it's, so It's, you know, the one I was getting last week was, uh, and I got like, I don't know, some, some script somebody put together and they hit me up like three or four times. And it was like, hey, where did you get that fit that you're wearing on Instagram? I really liked it. And I was like, okay, first of all, my Instagram's private. Second of all, there's no <laughs> pictures of me in on my Instagram. Um, so, like, I don't know what you what who you were looking at, but it wasn't me, right? It's just like, come on, this is obviously fake. Like, yeah. let's just let's just you know move on. Um, so BS. it's stuff like that that really bothers me. I mean, I just. I can't, I don't understand how people try to do that. Or like the, the link, you know, the, uh, Twitter DM campaigns. It's like, you know, come at me with something personal. Don't, don't, you know, I don't know. So put some effort to it and then we'll see what happens. The rest of it's just, just, uh, just small boy stuff, quite honestly. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the thing too, right? Because we're doing on our app side, we're doing obviously B2B stuff and, you know, uh, reaching out to people is uh, one of the things on Twitter that's been extremely effective, actually, just mm-hmm. writing up a message and making it very personal. And, you know, uh, even if you're not a customer, be like, hey, man, I ran across your site through so-and-so. Here's the tweet that I saw. I just wanted yeah. to let you know, here's what we're doing. We feel like that you'd be a good fit for the app. If you like it, here's a, you know, mm-hmm. here's a longer trial period. Here's this, here's that. And yep. no worries. And even I even found out like dropping like your personal like number or something, just being like, hey, shoot me a text, like make it mm-hmm. very personal because I'm not going to send that number out to, you know, 500 people tomorrow, but it's more like, yeah. hey, this is just to let you know, this is not a BS thing. It's not a, and if you type it in, if you're on iMessage, you'll see that it's an actual number. It's not some, you know, a a call center or something like that. So I think a lot of that is going back to that. And I feel like there's a, there's a play here for an agency to be like, we do the things that we, that don't scale and we'll do them the right way type Mm -hmm. of thing that somebody could really, really uh, push the service world into a different place and make it very, very personal. And um, yeah, I, I, I always think about that because I, I always put myself in the, in the shoes of the other person that I'm reaching out to. It's like, what's going to make me tick? What's going to make me feel like, mm-hmm. oh, this person reached out. And then I go back to some of the stuff that people reach out to me and then what, what caught my eye and I just go, oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I really like that. You got my attention. What can I do for you type of thing? And so, um, it, it's an interesting game to play, man. It's a very interesting game to play, but, um, yeah, I think Twitter for for the most part has been extremely effective with uh, with a lot of the B two B stuff in terms of like brands mm-hmm. and and you know the, the stuff that we're working on. So yeah, yeah, and I mean I think that there's 
there's a lot of new business to be had on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think that um, I've just found that it's it's um, easier for me to communicate value on Twitter and try to share value. And that's, you know, yeah. right. I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't contributed enough value yet to to feel comfortable doing some asks on there. Um, right. But eventually, I think, you know, we'll get to that point. But my rule, my rule of thumb on Twitter is, you know, 99% of the time you're giving value and the 1% you ask, you know, um, it's okay to ask type of thing, you know, matter, yeah. no matter how many followers or whatever you have, how long have you been, uh, you know, kind of heavy on Twitter? Has it been a few years mm. or it's been a long yeah, time? It's or? been, well, probably this year. So okay. last 10 months or so that I really dove back in. Um, okay. Actually, it's probably been a, just over a year because uh, my last book launched in October of last year, October, November of last year. And I really started getting heavy into Twitter in preparation for that. So I was doing a lot with it um, probably September uh, of last year. So about a month or two before it launched, uh, I really got into it. So it's been, I guess, just over a year now. I mean, time flies. But um, I've been on Twitter since early days. Like, I think I created my account in 2000. Nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Like <laughs> so yeah, but I didn't really put a whole lot of effort into it. Yeah. Um, but I was there back in the day, liked it. Um, now, um, you know, I'm I'm on it much much more. So um, yeah, I actually when I about a year ago when I got back into it, I actually just went through and um, deleted every single tweet I had in there and just was like, I'm just gonna start fresh. Um, exactly. So that's exactly what I did too. That's so over. funny. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what I Why did. Why not? Uh, it, uh, what I was going to ask you is uh, the book side of things. Did you guys self-publish that or did you go through a publisher? Yeah, so I worked with a publisher. Um, I wish I hadn't, quite honestly. Um, really? I don't think there's any reason to, to work with a publisher. The The challenge is that that industry moves so slow yeah. that um, yeah. it was really frustrating for me because I'm used to moving much, much faster. So, for instance, I would... Um, you know, be waiting three weeks, four weeks to get a book cover design from them. And oh, in wow. that time, I would hire a designer and have five options and send them to them and be like, will any of these work? And they're like, yeah. oh, our designer's still working on something. We'll let you know. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm ready. Let's choose one and move on. I don't care what your designer does. Um, oh, man. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Like the illustrations, they came back with illustrations that um, I was not enthralled with so i said you know what? i'm gonna do my own so i hired a designer um, that i liked illustrator and had them create illustrations um you know there were things like that um they did a, a light editing copy editing at the end but i had my own editor go through everything before i even submitted it um and they actually were impressed. They're like, wow, this is like the cleanest, best manuscript we've seen. And I was like, yeah, because I paid an editor that I like and I work with <laughs> to like help me edit it. So, um, you know, I basically did your job for you. But like, this right, is what I'm right, saying. Right. All of, and then promotion wise, they're not, I mean, it's really not that helpful um, because they're expecting you to do a lot of the legwork for the promotion anyways, which is right. You need to as the author. Um, so... All in all, I would say if I wrote a book again, 100% self-publish, um, there's no reason not to. You can get all the same access. The only thing that might hurt you is you won't be at the airport in like on a book stand 
But let's be honest, any book I write is probably not going to end up there anyways. I'm okay with that. Right. You know, my ego is not so fragile that I need to see it at an airport or that I think I'm going to sell so many copies or be that interesting that it's going to end up there anyways. Um, So with that in mind, I, I just don't see the need. Yeah. Are you planning on doing another one? I think I will. Uh, Maybe I'd co-author another one um, to carry some of the load. Um, I'd like to do that with some of my team members and just to to help them. I think the first time to help them ease into writing a book, especially since I now feel like I know how to do all of that process that a lot of people get hung up in. Um, I think I could share that with the team and, and make it a lot easier for everyone. So Looking at it that way, um, I think I'd co-author, but I don't know that I have it in me to sit down and spend the months writing another book just yet. I need a, I need probably need another year before I'll be like, you know what? I forget what that was like. It's kind of like having a kid, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. you know, you have a kid and you're like, okay, uh, a year goes by and you're like, man, that baby was cute. I rem- I, you know, I only remember <laughs> the good stuff. You know, I don't remember not sleeping at all and you know, <laughs> just being a zombie for six months. Like, I forgot all about that. It's been, you know, uh, let's have another baby, right? So <laughs> yeah. it, it's kind of that, that. It feels like that right now for me. It's like, man, that was a lot of work. I'm still a little scarred from it. Um, right, I wanted right. it to be as good as it could be. Um, and I know what that takes. And so Absolutely. I think I'll wait to do that again. Yeah. And what was, uh, and what, so explain to me the first book versus the second book. What was there a complete topic change or was it still kind of the, the same? Well, they're topic? both, they're both optimization, um, topics. Okay. Uh, the first book was called stop selling, uh, excuse me, stop marketing, start selling. And the okay. whole thesis of the book is that when somebody reaches your site, they're there to, um, solve their own pain or need. And too many brands continue to market to people once they're on their site. And right. you need to stop marketing once somebody gets to your site and stops and starts selling. And so the idea behind that was here are, um, it was a very tactical book. It was very much okay. like here's ways to understand what people want out of your site. Uh, here's how to do user testing. Here's you know all the things you should be thinking about with optimization. Um, so it was much more tactical, but, um, you know, it was also like writing a thesis paper for me, um, okay. with the first book, it was very much like, I'm going to do a bunch of research, learn a ton. Remember I said earlier that writing, you know, is to teach other people, but you learn a lot in the process. That was really how I looked at that book. Um, how can I basically write a thesis? So coming out of this, I, I truly believe and feel I'm an expert. And that yeah. was, that was the goal. Um, the the latest book is called Opting Into Optimization. The idea behind that book is it's much more theory. So what are the key principles that you need to know about when it comes to optimization? So if you are an e-commerce manager or owner of an e-com site or whatever, what are the core tenants? The What are the, the laws of optimization that you should be understanding and following? And that was... a a very different type of writing style for me. Um, It's not chock full of best practices or anything of that sort. It's really just, you know, here's the mindset you need to have. Um, And I broke it down into basically nine laws and each of those is a chapter. 
Okay, nice, nice. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Um, and so, in terms of uh, in terms of like sales and stuff, what, which one did you? So, did you go through a publisher for both of them? I'm assuming then. Um, yeah. So for both of them, we used uh, a service to to help publish. The first one um, was more self-published, I would say. We used somebody to help kind of get the ISBN, do all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, really it was because we didn't have the clout that we have now to where right. now it was easier to call up, a, you know, a publisher and be like, hey, I want to write a book and, and have, you know, have them help out. Um, so now it was, and having done it before, right? So being able to say, hey, here's another book that I already wrote and send them that and they were you know at that point like, okay so you know you know what it takes you will finish this book right i think that's the number right, one right. thing they told me is that most people they work with that are business owners and want to write a book never finish it and right. they end up having all investing all this time and effort but not getting the, the end product out of it um and so i think they felt pretty good that i i would be able to finish it. i knew what that took so and how did those, uh, if, I, if I may ask you, you can share whatever you'd like. How did those mm -hmm. book deals usually work when you're, you know, in the position you are? You did a lot of the creative, yeah. you did a lot of the editing and all that stuff. Is it something you yeah. go to a publisher and you say, hey, I have this book. It's, you know, let's mm -hmm. call it 90, 95% done. Uh, they yeah. write you maybe a check up front of some sort or is it like a royalty based mm -hmm. thing? Or how does that whole like thing work? Because I'm not familiar yeah. with it. And I'd love to know what, what, that, what that looks like for somebody yeah. so that's not a, you know, famous like the, uh, like a yeah an actor the reality is did. on any any business book that is going to be written i mean one percent of those books will really make money from book sales right so right. for me i didn't go into this under the impression that i was going to make a lot of money writing a book that was not my right. goal and my goal was i'm going to have a new business card or something i can share with people that shows mm -hmm. that I know what I'm talking about will get me up on stage, right? So now I have, because yeah. I've written a book, I've got three or four talks that are derivatives of that book that I've yeah. done. And during COVID, I did almost all of them online, but that was fine. Virtual, you know, those yeah. digital presentations were, were great. Um, I've done a couple of in-person speaking events around the book, um, but the book is really, it's almost like the calling card that gets you other things. So... Yeah. You know, they say now, write a book we, and get a speaking engagement. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the goal. I don't think the goal is to make money off the book. Um, so the economics I wasn't too concerned about. Now, right. what I will say is that um, I had, you know, I ended up probably spending more money than I made off the initial working with a publisher. In fact, I know I did. I spent more yeah. than I got back out of it, um, quite a bit more. But I did that right. intentionally. I looked at it as an investment. So mm -hmm. really what that turned out to be was um, working with somebody who could, you know, supposedly help me get through the process and shepherd me through that process. But as I said, I was getting so frustrated that <laughs> I ended up doing most of that myself um, right, just to keep right. it moving much quicker. Um, so the reality is that... Um, you know, in the end, it cost me a lot of money to do the book. But in this year since, we've sold enough copies that it's paid for itself. Which oh, good. good. Ultimately, is is you know, is a better outcome than I could have hoped for. Um, so, by selling the books, 
we've been able to, you know, on Amazon, other places, but also off of our own site, um, we sell direct to consumer off, off the good.com. So with that, you know, we sell an ebook. I mean, that's a hundred percent margin for us really. Right, uh, right. Right. So you look at it that way. What, what this has enabled me to do is have multiple printings of the book and every printing put some aside for sales and send some to Amazon's warehouse so that they have them and they can ship them prime. And then in addition to that, um, to um, hold some back that I sent out for free all over the place and um, or go to a, a speaking engagement and take a box with me and then say, okay, um, anybody who has a question after my talks, then I'll give a book to, right? Nice. Um, something of that sort. So get, get engagement from the audience, right? Um, you know, or just hand them out at the conference. Like the first conference I went to post COVID, I stuffed my backpack full of books and just walked around yeah. and was like, would go up to different booths and just be like, Hey, is so-and-so here? And they're like, no, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, um, do you, you know, are they at the conference? And they're like, Oh no, but I know where they sit back at headquarters. You know, I'll be back there. I'll see them. Great. I sign a book to them and I put a personal little note in there, just one sentence and then say, hey, would you mind giving this to them when you get back there? And I slide my business nice. card in it. And then, you know, they end up getting that. And it's a form of account-based marketing, really, at that point, right? right because right, I'm getting right. in front of people that I want to meet. Um, so there's a lot that you can do with it that I think most people just think I'm going to sell it and make money. And that's that's really just not, not going to happen. Yeah, and and that's I think the sentiment that a lot of people share who do who do write that uh, you know write their book first or second or whatever else it is, um, mm -hmm. and you know it it is more of a like I said you you write a book to get speaking engagements, get in front of people, yeah. uh, you know drive business in a different sense. This is just like a gateway to that thing, and if you make mm -hmm. some money off of it, great. I mean, uh, where do where do you, most of your books actually sell? Is it all like ma majority through the website and Amazon, or is it like Anywhere, yeah. uh, anywhere else they surprised you really? Um, what surprised me was actually how many sell on Amazon. So right. that was that was most surprising to me. Um, I thought, you know, because people have to be looking for your book on Amazon to find it. Right. Right. So that was humbling, really, to, to see that. I would say um, I know how many get sold on the different channels, but, and now it's probably shifted more to the good.com than Amazon. I think Amazon, we sell a handful of copies a week. I'm not really making a lot off of that. Um, right. We sell way more off of our, our website. Usually what I'll do is, let's see, uh, last, no, two weeks ago, um, I spoke at a virtual event, a live event, and I gave out a discount code for 50% off the book. It was just like, hey, for attending, here's half off the book. If you want to order it off the good.com, go put that coupon code in and, um, and for being, you know, on this event, you get half off. Uh, and we sold probably 40, 50 copies, you know, okay. from, from that talk. Um, so yeah, again, it was, it was, you know, not, um, not gonna, you know, make, uh, make us rich, but it definitely right. is easily paying for itself and, uh, Absolutely. allowing me to do other things with it. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, let me get back to kind of uh, the the we talked about Black Friday stuff and all this. Mm. What's some of the craziest things you've been seeing with like conversions and 
I know you and I talked <laughs> about, you know, all these pop-ups people are doing and like yeah. emails, like you get to a website and you don't even get to look at the product yet. And it just pops you up with an email. Give me your email, give me your phone number mm-hmm. and all this other crap. What, what's been kind of on your guys's end, what's been sort of the um, focus and, and what have you guys been like optimizing for really this time around? Well, we, you know, I will say that our optimizations that we do for our clients are really custom to what their customers are looking for, right? So there isn't a one size fits all optimization right. plan that we put out there. Um, so that really differs from brand to brand. Um, you know, we've seen brands that are still having supply chain issues all the way through mm-hmm. brands that, um, are, are just frankly, you know, discounting way too much. Um, right. I think that's the biggest challenge I see from, from Black Friday, Cyber Monday is everybody feels like you have to do a massive discount and it. It's the one time a year that I would probably make a bit of an exception and say it's okay to do some discounting, but don't the mistake that gets made is so many brands will look at that one week, two week period and say, man, we ran a discount and that got a lot of people to buy. Um, And then they try to deploy that same tactic throughout the rest of the year. And the problem is that, Brands just devalue themselves. They devalue the brand doing that. Yep. They um, end up having a lot of challenges around um, creating consumers who will only buy if there is a discount. Now, consumers during Black Friday, Cyber Monday know if I'm going to get a discount, now is the time of year I'm going to do that. And that's their mentality. So if you don't have something special happening, you probably wouldn't be able to buy at that point right? You're not going to convert. But so you need to do something. Um, But I encourage brands to not be thinking that way through the rest of the year. Uh, I encourage them to really be thinking about adding something instead of subtracting. So think of it instead of um, taking a dollar or a percentage off as a discount, add something, add free shipping, add a free gift with purchase, add, you know, some value in there instead of subtracting and you'll see that that performs a lot better over the long term absolutely and and uh, i was just making a joke with my friend actually uh the other day i was like i i hope that next year we're trying to launch an incense brand uh probably by february or or march or something like that all subscription based and i said if if we can get out get that off the ground it's about 80 percent done now but uh, mm-hmm. If we can get that off the ground in time and, and get, get some, you know, uh, um, attraction and all this other stuff, we're raising our prices during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We're mm-hmm. going to go up with prices. We're going to go against the grain on this one because I, I, I feel you on that. I think devalue is the perfect word when it comes to like, especially when you're building a brand, um, you know, there, there's a lot of amazing D2C brands now that are have really great products and, and, you know, offer a lot of value and their products don't require you to buy it, you know, every six months or a year, they last for a long time. It's like, you don't really need to give 50% off. Like you don't need to do that. Like you're just, you get, you're just, it's like people are chasing that dopamine, John. That's what I feel like. People are chasing that dopamine rush. I would agree with that. And I think that the, the challenge is just that, um, you know, you're going to to have, be on this hamster wheel that's impossible to get off. And right. 
you're just teaching consumers that your products aren't worth what you're charging. They're worth that discounted price. And so you end up just having these, these limited options. And I, I'm honestly of, of the thought that discounting is just lazy. It's the lazy way to get sales. And I tell brands this all the time. It's like, if you want to increase your conversions overnight, just discount dramatically. Just say everything's hundred percent off. I guarantee you'll, right. you'll have a massive conversion rate, right? <laughs> but it's not feasible, right? So think yeah. about it that way. Like, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're, you can't run that sale forever. Um, you're hurting your margins, you know, discounting. It, it's not optimization. It's margin drain. And, and yep. that's really the challenge that people need to be thinking about. Absolutely. Hey, is there anything out there that you saw with any D2C brands? Maybe it doesn't have to be necessarily mm-hmm. maybe your client that you were like, oh, that is actually a really clever or good, you know, uh, um, I guess like deal or the way that they approached, you know, the Black Friday, Summer mm-hmm. Mondays. Did anything stand out to you? Did you see anything? I, this year, um, I think that so many brands were concerned that they weren't going to hit their numbers that they immediately went to discounting Mm -hmm. and um, which is why we're kind of talking about this now. The um, what I found was surprising was, you know, that there were still a couple brands who held to their morals and said, you know, we're not going to have a sale this year. We're just not even open this year. Don't buy from us. Right. Right. Um, And, I think that that's, that seems to have worked pretty well for brands, but as a small brand, you you just can't afford to do that. Um, right. I do think that um, a lot of brands are really are really showing cash issues right now. If they don't have product market fit, they're going to have big cash issues. Where money has been free the last few years, yeah. they were able to advertise and convert even at a, a low rate and still be okay because buying traffic was cheaper and money was free. Now you got to pay a lot more for that money and that traffic. Oof. Like, you know, you're, if you just discount your margins, aren't there at all. Um, right. And that's really where we're seeing. I think a lot of people get hurt right now is it's brands that um, were artificially um, inflated if you will, right? Mm-hmm. They they were yeah, yeah. they were Bloat. showing numbers. Yeah, exactly. They were showing numbers because money was free. It, they weren't showing numbers because they had a really good product or product market fit or knew who they were av- marketing and advertising to. Um, and I think that's what's going to shake out over the next six months even is those type of e-com brands that didn't even hit their numbers um, during this week or what they did was um, they way overspent and right. then they sold, but they sold it at such low margins that they can't keep in business. I think that's what we're going to start seeing is, is a real drop off from brands that should have really dropped off for a long time ago, but were inflated by the economic issues. Yeah. So I have a, a question. Would you ever consider uh, building a D2C brand under the good and just doing all uh, doing putting mm-hmm. all your tactics in, in place and, and, and really driving yeah. the growth on that? Yeah. So uh, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is we are experts at optimizing sites for conversions. We're not experts at fulfillment. We're not experts at building products uh, and physical products. 
We're not experts at customer service. We're not experts at email marketing or Google ads marketing or any of that stuff. Driving traffic as a whole, right? So, you know, everyone, a lot of people ask me, well, if you're so good at conversions, why are you not just starting a brand and converting it and optimizing it to convert? And I'm like, well, I could, but there's a lot of other factors there that I'm not good at that I would have to learn. And the reality is that's, takes me away from my focus, which, you know, we are experts at converting visitors into buyers. We're not experts at driving traffic or any of that other stuff that that needs to be part of e-com. So Mm -hmm. we have one piece of the puzzle. Now we happen to be really good at that piece of the puzzle because it's all we do. And Mm -hmm. if we branch out and we start offering all these other things or trying to learn all these other things, we're going to end up in that same that same boat, right? right? Like it's just we're gonna we're gonna water down what we do, and that's not really where I want to play. Nice, nice, yeah. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Are there any brands that you're excited about that you see out there that you've been really um, kind of rooting for? That you're product wise, mm-hmm. marketing wise, even something that you've seen conversion mm-hmm. uh, rate optimization, like stuff that you're like, wow, that's actually really really good. Have you seen anything out there? Because there's I feel like there's a new brand popping up every week nowadays. Oof. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, you know, I, um, you know, I think that what I, what I really like is is getting behind certain founders, um, less the actual product or the site. And okay. I really have um, been trying to just support folks who I feel are, are hustling and doing it the right way, um, mm-hmm. instead of trying to take shortcuts. Um, so, you know, when that comes up, I'll, I, you know, we'll do some angel investments and new products they're coming out with, you know, if they're branching off and starting new brands, um, things of that sort. I mean, a good example of that is Chris Mead and Crossnet. Um, you may have heard of Chris Mead, but, um, he just teamed up with Danny Duncan is doing a, um, uh, who's a YouTube personality and doing, uh, something called good sport together and so um i help angel invest in that to help that get it off the ground um and it's a whole bunch of backyard games that are a lot of fun um so you know it's stuff like that that is really where um i prefer to spend my time right now is is supporting those um there like you said there's a ton of new brands coming up and and a lot of them are the same type of products with a different label Right. Quite honestly. Right. right. And Absolutely. where I'm looking for is is a unique product or set of products that have product market fit. And it, once that happens, it's just a matter of fueling that engine. Um, yeah. But it's hard for that to happen. Right. And so um, while I do follow a lot of brands and, and pay attention to the community, it's really the founders that I like to get behind. Um, nice. So. Yeah, yeah, no. The Crossnet, Crossnet uh, is doing doing great stuff. I actually purchased one of their uh, products as well. Um, but yeah, I, I actually when I saw their product, I've been really big into pickleball. Not too long ago, I started like yeah. about a year and mm-hmm. a half ago, um, and I had uh, branding and everything done again. Uh, had to put that a little bit on pause, but mm-hmm. that's something I really want to go back to is getting like a really you know, beginner level, like pickleball brand up where people buy, mm-hmm. you know, a, a set of paddles, a couple of balls, 
um, and just yep. really get going with the sports because I, I truly just love the sport. Like the sport is, yeah. it's such a wide demographic. It can be, you know, an easy tailored website it doesn't need to be super crazy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's definitely a good, uh, but obviously that's also getting really hyped up. And there's, like you said, it's just another, another product with this, just a different label type of thing. And that's where I think you kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit. Yeah. So, um, but that was something about, a, I would say probably a six to eight months ago that I was really, I saw cross and I was like, man, these guys could easily pivot to like a pickleball or something like that. So, yeah. Um, well, they have yeah. done some of that under the CrossNet brand, and then the new the new brand that they're working on as well um, has has some really fun stuff coming out. So um, that's I don't awesome. want to I don't want to spill too much, but I will say that <laughs> there's a lot of fun stuff coming out from that brand. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to see it come out. That's awesome. Um, well, we're approaching an hour here. Anything else you want to chat about, John? Anything on top of mind? Anything that you want to? Um, tap on and, i can't believe it's been an go. hour that's uh time flies right <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely I, I i didn't realize that um yeah i you know man we covered a lot today but um yeah i i guess if any questions come up um from anyone listening always feel free to just email me uh john j-o-n at the um i've given my email address out probably a hundred times on podcasts now and Everyone's always respected it, so <laughs> I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll make um, sure to put it in the comments as well, just so that people can easily access and, and yeah, uh, so you know, can get screen scraped as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I it's uh, I, just let me know if there's any questions on anything we talked about today, and um, would love to love to well, connect guess... again. The biggest thing out of all this is just the networking for me, right? I love to to meet new people and. Like you and I met on uh, on Clubhouse and have stayed in touch since. It's uh, um, you know that those type of connections are what made Clubhouse fun. I think you know it's not necessarily club, I don't miss Clubhouse, um, <laughs> right? But I feel right, like right. I did make a lot of good <laughs> connections on there, so that that's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to also ask you, uh, what what's the biggest offer you've received for your domain, thegood.com? Because that's a hell of a good domain. Um, all right, if we have two minutes, I'll tell you the story how I got that domain. Yeah. But please, um, please. I've gotten a lot of offers uh, and I, without even having money attached to them, they're just like, are you interested in selling this? And I just say no. Um, right. So I don't even know. Um, but um, okay, so I started the company in 2008, 2009, um, late 2008. And so we were in a recession um, if you will, we're right. having, having some economic issues and, um, I found the domain and, um, we knew we wanted to call the company the good, you know, our mission is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good remain. So we were mm-hmm. like, Oh, we want to call the company the good, but the good.com, you know, it's being parked. Nobody's using it. It was just sitting there. And I'm like, Come on, wow. they're not going to use this. Like I got to like find out. Did some digging, eventually um, found out who owned it, called the his office uh, for the company he owned, and the secretary is like, yeah, he's not around. And I was like, okay, well, he told me I'm interested in this domain name he owns. And she was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah I'll yeah. let him know. She has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think I called like four or six more times before – the lady got annoyed enough. She was like, look, he's out on his yacht and I don't know when he'll be back, but he checks his email once a week when he docks 
I will make sure that he knows to get a hold of you. And I was like, thank you. Like, I won't call you again unless I don't hear from him. And she right. was like, okay, I get it. Like, I'll make sure you hear from him. So he writes me. He's like, I hear you've called several times and you're interested in this domain. And he's like, I want, like, I'll sell it, but I want like 250,000 bucks for it. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Man. There's no way I can afford that. Like, so I wrote him right back and I was like, dude, I can't afford that. There's like, I need, you need some perspective on who I am. And I was like, I'm just starting this company. I'm not worth anything. Like, yeah. where do you think I'm going to get that kind of money? It's just not happening. Right. So like, you're not doing anything with this domain. Let's just have a real conversation about what you'd sell it for. And he writes me back and he's like, obviously timing's not right. And he just left it at that. And I was like, this is okay. Oh, man. Well, the economy continues to crash, right? And I'm just like, man, this guy's got a yacht. Like, he's probably hurting a little bit, right? Like, I'm sure he's, you know, he's got this business and it was in like telecom or something like that. And I was okay. like, nobody's buying phone equipment right now. I don't know what this guy's doing. So... You're connecting keep, the dots I, at this point. <laughs> yeah, so I just keep bugging him. Now I have his email, so I just keep bugging him. And I'm just like, hey, look, um, can I just, like, can we, what are you thinking now? Like, you know, have you have you thought about this anymore? And, and he just doesn't respond. I just email him, like, every three, four days. And I'm just oh, like, man. hey, like, come on, like, you know, give me a realistic number. And he finally comes back, and he's like, $10,000. And I wrote back and I was like, Dude, I can't afford 10,000 bucks, but like I could do f maybe five if you financed it. And he's like, okay, um, how about, um, how about 7,500 bucks and you pay me 500 bucks a month until it's paid off. And I was like, sold, let's do it. And so oh. I paid like next to nothing for this domain name and I, he find seller financed it for free. And, um, wow. and I just sent him 500 bucks a month. And then eventually we were doing well enough that I just wanted to stop the payments and I just sent him a big check and was done. Um, that's so, amazing, man. Thank you for sharing but, that story. Yeah. I appreciate that. But I, I mean, look, the opportunity, this is where recessions bring opportunity, right? Like, yep. You just got to be willing they to say go start get a it. business when the economy is down. It's a, it's the, yeah. it's the bear market, man. <laughs> it is. And I mean, you'll learn to be to be thrifty right and like yeah. there was no way i was gonna spend 50k or 250k or whatever he wanted on this domain like but i just I'll i just remember when i saw this co at that point you just go with the well and when i saw point. when i saw he came back at ten thousand, i was like i got him like he dropped from fifty thousand to ten thousand. i was like i got him like we're this is we're gonna come and do a deal now like 100 percent, we're coming to a deal uh, I love so, it, man. The, the persistence, yeah. man. The persistence is what it, what made it all happen, dude. It, well, uh, I I swear, my parents um, grew to hate that val that the value of me because I I was just always persistent, right? They were they were just I would annoy the hell out of them until I got what I wanted, and like <laughs> it is it, it has served me well. But I know that value of mine of persistence my parents just grew to hate i promise you like they were like that's hilarious man. Yeah, great that's great hilarious. parents don't get me wrong but i think that right. even if my my six-year-old son would bug me as much as i did my parents i would be annoyed too so <laughs> well john thank you for sharing that story man that was a great that's way nice. to cap it off because i was wondering about that uh myself i was like oh man he must have he must have got that really, really early on when he had no idea what he was going to be doing, or he must have paid yeah. a lot of money for it. And and it's it's neither of those. You you ended up paying a little bit for 
uh, I think a huge value. So um, yeah, no, that's awesome, definitely man. probably that's- the most valuable part of the business at this point. Quite honestly, I have one <laughs> asset. If I if the ship goes down, which I don't think it will, but if the ship goes down, I still have that. That's probably worth a lot more than I paid for it. So hey, you you better you better have two factor authentication on your domain thing so nobody tries to steal it or anything. Oh like that. yeah, that, that's not a concern <laughs> at this point. Fourteen years later, but I will say yeah. that uh, yeah yeah it, it's. Uh, uh, let's hope I'm not the one on the yacht one day that's like, okay, fire sale. I'll give it to you for. You know, next time. <laughs> let's Absolutely, hope the tables man. don't turn. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, John, thank you so much for your time, man. It was a pleasure chatting with you, dude. Thank you for being on. Thank you for willing to be on. I'm glad we reconnected again. And uh, yeah, man, I'll make sure to drop all the details uh, uh, about your agency and and everything else mm-hmm. in the um, in the show notes and. Uh, yeah, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, maybe yeah. just share where people can follow you on like uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all that yeah. stuff. That'll probably be yeah, helpful. Twitter at John McDonald. Uh, that's J O N M A C D O N A L D. So no H and John, and there's an A and MacDonald. Um, and uh, LinkedIn, I'm easy to find uh, as well. Just uh, look for my name. I'm on there. Can't miss me. Um, and then the good.com, uh, if you're interested in optimization, uh, or just signing up to learn about all that great content, uh, that we produce and, and follow along with us there. Um, you know, we've got, we've got an email list that is all value, no selling. So, well, we, uh, we do one, one time a year we hit people up. Uh, otherwise it's just providing value every week. So. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for your time, John. And, uh, we'll chat soon again, man. All right. Looking forward to it so much. Have a great afternoon. All right. You too. Cheers. Bye. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.